Hello and welcome to another episode of Wannabe Entrepreneur, the podcast about what's really like to bootstrap a company. And today I have another super interesting interview for you. With me, I have uh, Alex Friedman. Hey, Alex, everything good with you? Doing well. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and uh, Wannabe Entrepreneurs. It's a pleasure to have you here in the podcast. Of course. Yeah, I'm super excited. Thank you for asking me. I think I learned about your uh, your product or the platform that you are founding from, uh, I think it was Kavya. She's, uh, we have a entrepreneur's co-working space or virtual co-working space, and uh, she's one of the members, and she told me about this, and it's super exciting. So it's called Founder Gigs, and uh, the idea is to basically give part-time jobs to founders like myself. And uh, I can totally see what problem this is fixing because, you know, I am trying to bootstrap my my projects, but of course I still have to make a living. I'm very far from making a salary and uh, having such a platform can uh, really help people in my situation. So today we'll be talking about uh, Alex, about uh, this platform and about her entrepreneurial career so far and uh, we were chatting a little bit uh, off record and I can see that there, she has a lot of experience so I'm super excited to learn more about it but first of all I would like to ask you to just introduce yourself in your own words if that's okay yeah totally um I'm Alex, Alex Friedman uh, I live out in Austin Texas I pretty much have been an entrepreneur my whole life like many I'm sure of, of your listeners and you, <laughs> we are, are pretty much sucked into this lifestyle yeah. <laughs> without, without a choice. Like it'll drag you in kicking and screaming. <laughs> I, I created my, my first business when I was in college. It was a nail polish product, which I developed and then sold into uh, mid-market retailers like Walmart or like uh, Forever 21 and Urban Outfitters and Bed Bath & Beyond. Um, and then after that, I went on to develop other product lines for mass market retailers like Walmart and Target. So uh, after I realized I wasn't very happy working with some of the companies I was working with while I was developing those products, I ended up going and working for Techstars. So I used to run the Techstars Austin and Techstars Impact programs uh, up until the point that I created my other startup. So Founder Gigs. Uh, has been a very, very recent discovery. Uh, we've only been building it for the last, I think, about 12 weeks now. And my, yeah, oh. very, it's very, very, very recent. Um, it had, and, and we'll totally get into that, the exciting growth around it. It's been <laughs> wild. Um, but my other startups, Talk Howdy, and Talk Howdy, originally during the pandemic, we were running these small group video chats for people to connect over uh, various topics so people didn't feel so alone. And we got the offer to go through Techstars. So I actually quit my job with Techstars to take Talk Howdy, my other <laughs> startup, through Techstars. So at this point in my career, I have worked with thousands of founders. I've, I've talked to thousands of startups. It's something I'm super, super passionate about, which brought me to the creation of founder gigs and and really finding product market fit like right off the bat with it. I don't know why I thought it was at least one year old. Uh, <laughs> like the fact that it's only what three months that's really uh, yeah. incredible. September, and... <laughs> I think, was when it started. 
So what is your background, actually? Yeah, so my background, uh, I studied psychology in college. Um, okay. But really, I just always wanted to build stuff. It was one of those things that, like, I didn't really want to go to college. Um, I wanted to go straight into business. I was raised by entrepreneurs. My dad's an entrepreneur. And so I would, I, like, on the weekends, our bonding experience growing up was him taking me to the swap meet and, like, having me negotiate with people that were working there. <laughs> or, um, <laughs> or him taking me, he used to run these giant auctions in in downtown LA and he would take me to the auctions and he'd make me work the front desk or he'd make me take people's bids and like I remember a couple times he made me go on stage and practice auctioneering in front of these crowds like 2,000 people (laughs) so like that's how I was thrown into this world um and and when I was in college I I love psychology I love I love people um Mm -hmm. for the most part and and kind of understanding the way that they think and so actually getting that psychology degree was one of the best things for my entrepreneurial journey because yeah, yeah. that empathy and that understanding has really played into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess it, it might also be important for yourself, right, to understand your limits and uh, when it's time to rest, time to take a step back. Yeah. I mean, it's still really difficult. I think it's difficult for most entrepreneurs. I actually I tweet about this a lot, about burnout and mm-hmm. about taking a break. And a big reason why I do it is because um, I I think the more people talk about it and are just honest about it, it gives other people permission to feel that same way. Because if not, all you're you're seeing is you're in this like vacuum of successful people that are saying like, no, I work 80 to 100 hour weeks and I do that forever. And I, I, but I also travel, but I also have a family. And it's like, no, you guys don't. Like we all know that you'll burn out if you do that. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually reading one of your tweets, uh, yeah, a recent tweet about, uh, I think I have it here. Anyone have any tips on how to handle communication burnout? And, um, you know, I, I started this journey, so becoming a full-time entrepreneur seven months ago. And before, of course, I started my own things. I, I've never really found success. And with success, I mean in independence or uh, finance independence. And now that I'm really trying to do that and I have no other option, I can really feel the stress and I start working and I, I cannot stop, you know, and uh, all the other tasks seem to be less prioritized. And uh, yeah, a few weeks ago, I even like did a podcast about it, an episode about it. I was really feeling like, I don't know if that... I don't really know if it was like the beginning of a burnout or something, but I, it feels that I couldn't do anything. You know, I couldn't work. I couldn't do simple tasks. And uh, is it very common? Like, do, do all the entrepreneurs that you met go through this? Yeah, one hundred percent. I think I, I think what happens is you get so deep into this flow state where it's like all you want to do is work, and you almost forget that the outside world exists. And then you start burning out on your flow state and you're like, oh, wait, I have friends and I have family and I have other obligations that I need to get to. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a big reason why I also just talk about like balance and like how entrepreneurship as, as much as I love everyone getting into entrepreneurship and trying out new things um, and, and why I was so excited to actually come on this podcast and talk like to a bunch of bootstrappers is 
because I don't think a lot of people actually want to build billion dollar businesses or want to build like they don't I I don't think a lot of people want to be Elon Musk or Jeff mm-hmm. Bezos. Yeah. I think a lot of people just want to build something that gives them a sustainable life. So so lifestyle businesses. And exactly. you don't hear a lot of people talking about lifestyle businesses because they're not as cool, I guess. Like like I I think that they're cool. Yeah, I think they're cool too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they don't sell as much. They don't sell as much. It's a much better way to put it. <laughs> they don't sell as well to the media. So um, so one thing that I really love talking to people about is like build the business that you want to build that's sustainable yeah. to your life, that's sustainable to your family and, and to the lifestyle that you want and the income that you want and focus on doing that. Don't focus on trying to build a billion dollar business mm-hmm. because if you if you focus on trying to build a billion dollar business, nothing will ever feel like enough. Yeah. Yeah, I I totally understand that. But I I also have to say that I don't want to make a billion dollar business. I just want to make a business that I can live from. But even that is not easy, it seems, you know, like especially so I my background is software developing, right? And the software developing is the up, you know, it's super trendy, it's such a trendy job and the people make a lot of money and to be able to make the same amount of money from my own project, I don't know, I see people doing it, but for me, it seems super, super hard. And I always tell myself that I will rest once I reach a paycheck that basically covers my expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, is that healthy? Or like, how do you manage to rest and take time for yourself when you know that you have a time limit? Yeah. Um, it's hard. First of all, I, I I mean, like, I'll just start there. It's really hard. I don't know if there's exactly a formula for this type of stuff. Um, I think it comes back to like giving yourself permission to rest and realizing that like, if you're not working at your optimal level, that it doesn't really matter. A lot of the time when when we're putting in these like 80 hour weeks or these long weeks and we're thinking about stuff constantly mm-hmm. and you're waking up in the middle of the night with like new ideas or thinking about your business, <laughs> um, yeah. you're not actually like getting more done. You're, you're really just burning yourself out on things. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so finding like that balance, like making sure you're scheduling in workouts, making sure you're scheduling in time with your family and your friends um, making sure that you have a hobby that you actually enjoy that doesn't involve making money. I mm-hmm. found that for myself. Every hobby of mine turned into a business. Yeah, this is the spirit of an entrepreneur, right? You always think, okay, I like it. How can I make money out of it? It's always like this. Exactly. But then I realized, I'm like, no, I need to just do stuff that I don't need to be perfect at. Yeah. Um, like I, I, I've gotten really into painting and it's something that I've gone into because I will never, ever be a master at painting. It just, it's not, it's probably not in my DNA. I might be okay at it, but I can do something and just really enjoy it. So find something that you're not going to force yourself to try to be a master at and, yeah. and use that as your hobby to kind of let you unwind and unplug because if not, you're not operating at your best, yeah. but um, I, I tell a lot of my friends that if you ever need someone to give you permission to take a break, like message me <laughs> and I'll be like, yeah, like go relax. And I remember one of my, my big tweets, like a few months ago was, um, 
I've seen a lot of founders fail because they burnt out. I've, I've actually never met a founder that failed because they took a Sunday afternoon off mm-hmm. <laughs> and someone and ever like that, that one kind of blew up and I was like, it's true though. It's like the most true thing I think I've written. Yeah. But, but it's true that you, uh, you do feel that all your competition is like working also 24 seven. And, and that, that's why somehow Twitter is also really nice. And there's a, this building public, a lot of bootstrappers just being honest and speaking, uh, you know, just saying that, okay, I'm taking a vacation now. I'm taking some time off or speaking about burnout. I think that's uh, very crucial. But I also think that Twitter, it can be part of the problem as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you're, I guess you're also a big Twitter user. Um, and I feel that it's a complete addiction. Twitter being also one of my main marketing channels, I, it's kind of an excuse you know, so it's like, okay, I can use Twitter because it's my job, but uh, it's also then, I don't know, I really feel the addiction to it, you know? Yeah. Um, do you feel the same? <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> yeah. I do. One thing that I've been trying to do more of is scheduling out tweets and scheduling out Yeah, content. that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, I've, I've noticed it keeps me kind of like engaged without having to actually be present. Yeah, I realized that I I use Buffer. Which tool do you use? Um, I was using Hype Fury for a little bit. I also mm-hmm. really like TweetHunter.io. They're oh, yeah. they're kind of a new one. No, I interviewed him, uh, Thibaut, here in the podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I also used it before. It's really cool. It, it's also funny because, again, back to, to this tweet that you wrote, you also said that I've been really bad at staying in touch with most people for the last three months, so my friends and like any relationship and so on, I feel the same. I feel that, you know, I I moved back from uh, from Germany to to Portugal recently, and I had a lot of friends there because I was living there for a couple of years. But I also have friends here. But I feel that like I'm super disconnected, and I don't have the energy to you know to go and meet them. And it, it's really funny that you say that because. I guess it's not only me, it's, it's something that really goes through founders. And uh, especially if your friends are not entrepreneurs, I guess they won't understand, right? So how do you explain this to them? A few ways. First of all, I I got a lot more founder friends. Um, I <laughs> made it a mission, like I made it a mission a year or two ago to actually start surrounding myself with more founders. I'm still trying to do that and, and trying to meet more people in this world. And really trying to find like a community. So that's kind of what we were doing with Talk Howdy originally is mm-hmm. developing these communities. And and um, one of the big things that we're going to move into with founder gigs also is developing a founder's community for exactly things like this to allow founders to meet each other and, mm-hmm. and hang out and actually connect. You know, it's funny because I also did the same. <laughs> and we have now, uh, we call it, the. it's kind of, I call it a virtual co-working space for bootstrappers, which is basically community. And we have like entrepreneurs from all over the world working together. We have rooms where we basically work with a camera on and like we work with each other. We have events and so on. It's super fun and people are super engaged. And yeah. I really enjoy and really helps. But it's not the same as, you know, the physical presence. I will always feel that like, you know, the virtual world is nice, but it's still not the same as, you know, really hanging out with your friends next yeah definitely yeah i i think so 
So it started with me making sure I got more founder friends. The other mm-hmm. side of it is just putting in the conscious effort. Um, I'm still struggling with trying to stay in touch with people. Obviously that's why I like posted. That. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I think one thing that's been really helpful for me though is literally just like kind of setting alarms or like setting things on my calendar where I put in reminders to follow up with people or to reach out to people. Um, And it kind of goes back into setting boundaries around work and realizing that if you're scheduling stuff out for work, there's nothing wrong with also scheduling things out for your life um, Mm -hmm. because that's what's going to keep you optimal and happy and and happy people build great things. Yeah, I think that's also what somehow helped me because we all know what we should do. It's super hard to do it. And I think if you think about it as a a way of making your business actually more successful, (laughs) um, yeah, it's it's a great tip. And uh, funny enough, when you were describing that, I thought, okay, maybe that's a product (laughs) tool. To help you connect with others. If I had a dollar for every person that's ever pitched a friend CRM, I would be like a billionaire. Like friend CRMs are one of those businesses that everyone thinks about, but like yeah. no one's ever been able to actually execute it well. Yeah, I thought it was the only one. Oh, I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> so what one thing I always tell myself that, okay, once I'm able to make living or a salary or pay my bills, then I'll be able to rest. I'm not sure if that's true, but that's why I was super excited about founder gigs. And uh, so what? tell me about how the idea came to be. Like, What problem were you trying to fix? I mean, that's obvious, but how did it come to be, the idea? Yeah, you're, you're probably not <laughs> going to believe this, but um, it came off of like a viral tweet of mine. Uh, literally what (laughs) happened was that I, like I said, I've worked with so many people in this world. I have a lot of friends that are founders and are building businesses right now. And, um, I have also become kind of the person that a lot of people come to when they're in the middle of like an existential crisis, (laughs) when they're like, Alex, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't know what else to do with my life. I need to find a job. And in, in one week I had three or four friends of mine reach out and say, Hey, I need to find a part-time job. I'm not doing well. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I hate being a founder and like all these things like that. And so Mm -hmm. I ended up just tweeting, um, out and said, does anyone know where to find part-time jobs for founders to help supplement their income? That was like pretty much what the tweet was. I I'm kind of paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. And, um, all these people started commenting on it and liking it and being like, I don't know, but that's a great idea. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, wow, I want this. And, and it blew up and I was like, wow, okay. It wasn't an idea, (laughs) (laughs) but let me buy the domain. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a great domain, by the way. Thank you. I don't, I don't know how I snagged that at all, but (laughs) I, I ended up building the first prototype that same night the tweet blew up on um, Softer, which is a no-code tool. Mm-hmm. I bought I bought Founder Gigs, um, designed the logo in Canva, and put up a <laughs> job board with the other side of it was people could start submitting themselves as for hire. 
Um, so, so one side of it was the job board. The other side was this like talent marketplace. And mm -hmm. the next day we got about a hundred signups and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like we got some traction. That's great. Mm -hmm. But well, what ended up happening is two days later, a founder who's, I, I don't remember her name, um, but she has a decent following on Twitter and she posted out saying, Hey, this is a super vulnerable post for me, but I need a part-time job. Does anyone know anyone that's hiring? And I swear, like 25 to 40 people tagged me. And in about a 48-hour span, we had 1,000 signups. We had over 100 people submit themselves as talent. Um, and I was like, wow, this is actually something that we can turn into a business. And if it doesn't turn into a business, I don't even care because I'm just helping people and I'm yeah. helping the community that I love. So it was kind of a win-win for me at that point. And how, how do you make money? So do companies pay you to post their jobs there? Yeah, so we actually just started monetizing. Uh, it wasn't, it was free for the first two months. We mm -hmm. started monetizing the first week of December. We're doing about two 2,000 in MRR now. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <laughs> it, so it, jealous right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> two weeks. Uh, no, I mean, three months. <laughs> it's. Uh, we're we're still trying to figure out the business model. What we have people paying for is a monthly subscription where um, your startup can come on and you can post as many gigs or jobs as you want. You can look through the talent mm -hmm. marketplace, but you're you're paying for access to the job board to post on the job board and for access to the talent. So I, I have two questions here. It's the first one, I guess, to start. So. Do people or these bootstrappers, the ones that contacted you in the first place, why did they needed a job? Was it actually because they needed the money or just, you know, for for their mind and for their uh, health? You know, it's it's actually multiple. I want to say it's like multiple reasons. Um, some of them, I think it's because they needed to feel like they were worthy and they had a little bit of that security. Um, probably an ego thing where it's like, you know, our imposter syndrome gets ahead of us and we want to validate that we're still talented and smart. I think yeah. that's one part of it. I think the other part of it is people genuinely needed the extra income um, mm. just so they didn't feel like they were drowning. And I think there was other people also that um, that were just kind of like, well, I'm in this transitionary phase. And I, my startup's not doing too well. I don't know where it's going. And I want to start setting up some other pillars around me just in case. I can totally relate to that. Can totally yeah. relate. And also with the imposter syndrome, what you just said, it's normal to look at others and see them succeed and think, okay, I, I'm dumb. You know, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. And I'm just... Like as a software developer, my a lot of my colleagues are still working, building their resume, working big tech companies, and I'm here. And what do I actually have to show, right? So I can really understand why people would need to somehow make sure that they still have something to offer to the market. And if they need it, they can uh, land a job. So what kind of jobs are there in, in the platform so far? It, it's kind of wild. <laughs> um you know, when I first, when I first created this, my hypothesis was like, oh, wow, we'll get some people that are hiring for, you know, $20 an hour jobs. And mm -hmm. we actually have gigs on there right now that are $400 an hour gigs. 
for mm-hmm. a sales a sales person. Um, we have a lifestyles designer, so a product person for two hundred dollars an hour. A data analyst for like fifty dollars an hour. A what? A data analyst. Ah, I thought it's a dating analyst. Oh, no, <laughs> I was like, what is that? <laughs> Someone actually no. analyzed like a machine learning person to analyze your dates. <laughs> They'll yeah. tell you where it's going. <laughs> also, it's not a not a bad business idea. Either. Yeah, oh, damn, already uh, checking the domain. <laughs> um, we have like a head of marketing and partnerships for like forty dollars an hour. Wow. Um, yeah. A web flow designer, I think, for $75 an hour. So so we're kind of all over the place mm-hmm. in terms of the jobs that we're attracting. But the interesting thing is we've actually been attracting more and more full-time gigs. Where now people are saying, like, well, I want to create a startup, and I, we raised money. So we're attracting people that have raised money who want to hire someone full-time. And the person they want to hire full-time happens to be a former founder or current founder. So I'll give you an example of one of our customers. They raised a seed round. They are going to go out and raise their series A in the next six months. It's probably going to close. And they need to start developing a sales team. And they don't want to go out and hire someone for like $200,000 a year because they don't have the cash right now. And they want to wait till they have their series A, but they need to get a salesperson in there. So they're hiring from founder gigs to get someone that can be temporary to help them build out the team, to help them build out a foundation before they go out and hire this full-time person. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like this bridge, this like bridge round employee where they're kind of in the middle of like, well, we need someone immediately, but we don't have the funds to do it now. And I can easily find someone who's so experienced in this that can do it in five to 10 hours. Yeah. A week. You have a platform where people can hire founders, right? Then especially for startups, you need a kind of special kind of employees, right? Your first employees are crucial and they need to have this entrepreneurial spirit. And uh, maybe it's not that easy to hire this kind of people in the traditional platforms. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this is really interesting. Then founder gigs can, can be that, right? Like the platform to hire for startups, you know, where startups go and hire their first employees. Exactly. And, and that's the exciting thing about it because a lot of our, um, a lot of the founders that we have, they're not all like fail. Like I, I hate, I hate using that term, but they're not like all founders of failed startups. A lot of them have built incredible things. Like we have people that have raised over $150 million. We have people that have taken a company public before. Um, it's a lot of people that are in just transitionary periods of their career or, they're, they've sold their company. We have a few people that have sold companies before, have enough mm-hmm. money, but entrepreneurs never really retire. So yeah. why not go and work fractionally for a few other startups where you don't have a lot of the risk, but you can make a little bit of money and still do what you love? Yeah. Yeah. How do you get rid of this idea that this is a platform for failed founders? Because you know, now you're describing something completely different. But when I thought in the beginning, it was like, okay, I'm not doing so well, so I need this platform. So I come as a way, like a little bit embarrassed, you know, to use yeah. founder gigs because I need the money somehow or need the stability. How do you change this to a brand, to a different brand? How are you making that change? Yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think it's something we're still figuring out. Like I said, we're, we're very new. I'm winging it just as much (laughs) 
as anyone else is right now. Um, like I said, with our business model, we're still figuring out, we're still trying to understand it. We haven't had a ton of people voice their concerns in that way to us. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure why that is. It might be just because if you're already pretty accomplished or have already like sold a company, maybe you just don't care if people think that about you. Yeah, uh, yeah. which might be why some of those people have signed up and haven't voiced any concern about being right. on the website. You you say we, is there anyone else in the team? Yeah, actually I, I work with a team of two other people. Um, okay. One of them is my product manager from Talk Howdy. His name's uh, Ayush. Okay. He's in incredible, awesome, awesome human. Uh, and then <laughs> we also have a marketing marketing person whose name is Jeffrey, who's also an incredible human. Um, and I <laughs> so you met... only hire incredible humans? <laughs> yes, it's it's a really... <laughs> I have to be good at hiring, right? If yeah. that's like the business. Um, but yeah, I try to only hire incredible humans. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to other companies that sometimes just want normal. <laughs> <laughs> just want to... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, there's something that I... I was thinking about the platform. I need the money, let's say. But what I'm really afraid, and a lot of people already ask me, like, Tiago, why don't you do freelancing? And I always think that freelancing will just take a lot of my time. And I'm, I don't have time, right? I'm really focusing 100% in, in bootstrapping my own projects. Are the people hiring here, do they know what to expect? Or do they assume that these are just normal employees and they will just work? We rely on the founders to be honest about like how much work they're willing to give and what they're willing to do. So the founders apply for the roles. We don't force anyone to um, apply. There's, there's a few times where we will recommend people mm -hmm. for, for specific roles, but it's really up to the founder to kind of dictate like how much they want to work and how much time they can give to it and to be communicative about that. What, what are your next steps? What, what is coming next? How are you, are you, how do you plan to do the marketing, which is always the hardest part? What, what are the channels that are working best for you? Honestly, Facebook groups has been great. Twitter, obviously. Those have probably been the, the two best ones. Founder communities where I just kind of post and say, hey, I created this job board for founders to find part-time roles. For the most part, whenever I'm posting about that, it gets a really, really positive response. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just because um, it's, you know what it's a great lesson on? It's a great lesson on niching down. And that's, I think, the number one thing to kind of take away from Founder Gig is we found a very, very specific community that we know desperately needs this problem. And we only go where we know that community is going. So like, mm -hmm. you won't really see me posting this, I don't know, somewhere like irrelevant, <laughs> like, but you'll see me in Facebook groups of female founders or Facebook groups of other startup founders and on Twitter posting about it to startup founders. Mm -hmm. and, and therefore the response that we get is just pretty much impactful, like right off the bat, because it's very, very like targeted demographic who I would say 90% of them have this problem or have had this problem at some point in their careers. And do you just go there and post kind of in a spammy way or because, you know, when I, when I tried to do that, 
most of the times gets ignored and normally you only have one or two shots to do that in those groups yeah how do you make sure that it you know it just doesn't get ignored or goes to the spam folder yeah never do things in a spammy way i think the number one way is always focus on providing value first so any group that i'm a part of and even on twitter I'm I'm posting out advice, I'm making connections, I'm helping people, I'm trying to. Um, and I'm doing it in a very like authentic way, first and foremost. That's like my number one goal. And then when I post something, people don't really view me as spamming. They view me as a member of their community or like even like a digital friend to them. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't come off as spammy. So like that's that's I think a big part that people miss is they just go into a bunch of groups. And they post and they write things, but nobody knows who you are and nobody cares about you. So they're going to, they're going to view it as spam. Um, Whereas if you go in, answer a few questions, help a few other people out and then post it, your, your post will do a lot better. How long do you need to be active in a community before posting something? I actually don't think that long. I really don't. I think like a week, a day. Yeah, I would say like a week or two. Like go in, join a few communities. I think that anyone before launch, before you put something out there, if you want feedback, honestly, one of the best ways to get early beta users and early feedback is being parts of these communities and providing value first and, Mm -hmm. and starting to do it now. And then when you have something that you want feedback on going in and posting it, because you already built up this relationship and a lot of people are way more forgiving of you. A few weeks is, is probably the sweet spot there. Right. Yeah. This is something that I've learned that I didn't know in the past that the audience, this audience first approach that is crucial. So you start building the product at, and at the same time, or even before actually, you need to be already involved in this community, speaking with people, understanding what are their problems and how can you solve them. And then it's much easier when you are actually launching your uh, platform. Mm-hmm. Something that I I didn't know before, and I think it's super valuable for everyone. Um, as a as a kind of last question or questions here, because since you you work at TechStars and uh, it's it's rare to have someone here that kind of is a bootstrapper and also worked in the VC world. When should you go for VC or an accelerator? And uh, in comparison to when should you just bootstrap your own way? I think it all goes back to what kind of business do you want to build? Uh, If you don't want to build a venture-backed business, if you don't want to build a business that has 10, like 100x return, don't go out and raise money. Um, because that's what a VC is going to expect from you and they're going to push you to do. So venture money is, is great because obviously you get money and so you can do things, but there's also this expectation for you to grow faster, for you to do things faster and for you to fail faster. Mm-hmm. Because if you fail faster, then they can move on to something else too. Um, so that's what you have to understand about taking venture money. If you want to build just a health, like a sustainable business and you're okay with the low and slow method, then like don't raise money. I, I think staying a bootstrapper is really the way to go there and finding other ways to like collect money. So making a business that actually makes money is a good, mm-hmm. is a good start, right? Like finding, <laughs> finding, um, 
a way to be profitable in the first three months. And if the business isn't profitable or making any money within the first like three to six months knowing, okay, so maybe this isn't the right thing to keep spending more time on and then moving on to something else. That's do you another stop way it? That do you stop it after three months? That's what I've seen a lot of people do. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of indie, um, developers that I've worked with or other startup folks that I've worked with, if something is taking a ton of their time and after three months, it doesn't have paying customers or it's not really going anywhere, they'll move on to something else. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's any harm in doing that. Um, I, I actually think that's like a fine way to do things if you're okay doing the like bootstrap method. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I totally understand. But what if it's making money, but it's not enough? <laughs> what if it just stagnates? Totally. You know? Then focus on what is stagnating. So what is it? Is it because are you getting a lot of churn? If you're getting a lot of churn, then try to reach out to your customers and understand why or get a lot of product demos and get people to walk you through the products. You can kind of understand, like, what don't they like about it? Is it too expensive? Um, did they expect more value? Does the product not do what it says it does? Uh, mm-hmm. If it's stagnant because you had a huge influx or you went viral and then now you're not getting as many customers or um, or you just don't know how to reach your customers, then focus on marketing and focus on narrowing in on like, uh, like so my, one of my old mentors, my old boss actually, Amos Schwartzfarb, He has a book called Levers, which talks about this really, really well, which is called like your W3, which is the who, the what, and the why. So who is buying your Mm -hmm. product? What are they buying and why are they buying it? And he forces you to get so specific. So like literally what he would want me to do for Founder Gigs is say, we're looking for um, startups who have raised $250,000 to $500,000 who are a seed stage, like, et cetera. And he makes you get so specific on it. Go through exercises like that to understand, okay, am I selling to the wrong person? Am I posting mm-hmm. in the wrong places? Or am I not focusing on marketing well enough that I need to refine my marketing? So I think if you're seeing that growth early, then you're, and you're getting signals that it's working, there might just be other things that aren't um, sticking enough for people. Yeah, you end up being kind of a researcher, trying to understand what's going well, what's not going well. You know, really need to experiment a lot. And uh, in that sense, that makes it really fun and also quite frustrating sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can you still go through the accelerator process even if you don't, if you want to be a bootstrapper or is it that, that way just for VC? Uh, I would say it's primarily for um, VC backed. You can do it, yes. Um, but I will say that most accelerators I have worked with, their emphasis is on getting people to raise money at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Alex, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for all the great insights and for the great conversation. If you had to give one tip, to leave one tip here for uh, the bootstrappers, out there, I guess you already gave a lot of tips, but what is like your <laughs> most, like the favorite thing that you say to everyone, you should always do this. Give yourself permission to not be perfect all the time and to not have everything figured out. And to mm-hmm. know that everyone around you is experiencing that same feeling. Like everyone has imposter yeah. syndrome. 
everyone's just figuring it out. You're still very worthy of doing this and of, of building a business. And, um, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of energy and takes a lot of effort, but take care of yourself and just keep moving forward. No, those are great words (laughs) (laughs) to finish with. Thank you so much. I will uh, link your founder gigs, your Twitter profile, uh, talk Audi, everything in the show notes of this episode. So if you're a listener, you can just go there and check it out. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, Alex, for, uh, for taking the time. Thanks for having me and thanks for reaching out. I appreciate yeah. it. I'm, I'm really excited to, to listen to your other episodes. I'm excited for you to get your feedback. <laughs> and uh, you should start with the one from uh, TiVo, <laughs> the Tweet Hunter one. Oh my I God, I will. Oh, I, very, very good in, insights there. <laughs> and this was another interview, another wannabe entrepreneur. And uh, if you want to work with other bootstrappers, you want to have this team feeling, get support and mentorship, join us at wannabe-entrepreneur.com slash coworking. It's a virtual coworking space filled with other bootstrappers that you can learn from and you can try it out for two weeks completely for free. You can join our community for free. And after that, it costs four years per month. Make sure also to check out the other episodes. There's a lot of great interviews and tips and tricks for you to apply in your own business and give a good Spotify and Apple Podcasts review that really helps increase the reach of this podcast. This was another wannabe entrepreneur. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.